0: Welcome back. We are, uh, we're here. It's, it's Katie and Izzy and we're back for another episode of Horror Cats and Witch
1: Hats. It's December. Happy almost Christmas. In honor of Christmas, we are doing Black Christmas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been doing Christmas movies since Thanksgiving, but like it's, you know, we're just trying to get everybody in the spirit with horror Christmas movies. Yeah, that's how you get in the spirit.
1: <laughs> Tis the season to be terrified of people coming down your chimney.
0: Like Santa. Yeah. Uh Black Christmas came out. Well, there's there's three different ones technically.
1: Uh there's so. three and a half if you can't if you count a fan-made film.
0: Oh, I didn't even know about the fan-made film. Oh, oh my you, goodness.
1: You did cuz we posted it on our social media, so pretend. Oh, cool. You
0: <laughs> got it. You got it. <laughs> um yeah again i haven't been paying attention to life because of work so it's been great um but yeah there was a the original came out in 1974 then there was a kind of sort of remake uh yeah it was a remake in a certain way uh but that was in 2006 and then a newest one came out in 2019 i totally forgot about that one until you brought it up
1: i did not know there was a 2006 one until you brought it up so
0: oh yeah i did know about that one only because i watched it when i was younger and i kept like replaying certain scenes that i had seen from it and i was like what movie is this and also michelle trachtenberg's in it and um buffy the vampire slayer i so you know
1: as long <laughs> as long as one of us knows about one of them we're covered
0: we all see yeah we each know about something parts of this and then we come together and we're like oh did you know about this no oh then we go off and watch it again so we then come back with all the details that we need
1: yeah i was like that movie was fucking weird and she was like the 2006 one and i was like there's a 2006 one i was like
0: wait are you which one are you and then she's like wait wait what so you know uh yeah there's we keep picking movies that just have a lot behind them that we need to stop doing or we just need to...
1: I know, it's Anyways. funny because most of the time we're like, let's pick a single film. And so Katie goes, and it okay. it turns
0: out there's fucking five of them. Yeah, Katie will go, okay,
1: yeah. let's do this one. And I'm like, great, I'm following your lead. And then I'll watch that and I'll be doing notes and I'm like, fuck, there are like five remakes for this. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway
0: okay January is coming and I'm excited to fuck for that one so
1: so Black Christmas 1974 yeah, yeah. Um, that film is totally
0: 70s 100% from uh, interior decoration to outfits to <laughs> hair and
1: carpet yeah it's great and insults it's great yeah <laughs> Yes. I watched it on Peacock. It's also available on Tubi with uh what are those things called? Ad, commercials, ads, commercials, those things.
0: It's con- uh, spoiled children don't have to deal with those anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh it is considered a horror mystery thriller, which I would agree with all of this. It was also released under the title Silent Night, Evil Night, which is incredibly confusing. It came out before Silent Night, Deadly Night. So in Canada, which is where this film claims its home, and it's considered proudly by Canadians as one of their best horror films, I guess. Canadians, if that's true, tell me. Uh, But people on the internet don't lie, so it has to be true.
0: Right, because everything you read on the internet, you should believe.
1: And then for some reason in the United States, they were like, you know what? Black Christmas is going to offend all the racists. I'm just kidding. That's not what they said. I don't know why they changed it from Black Christmas, but they released it under Silent Night, Evil Night in America. It didn't hit quite the way they thought they would. Uh, It was also released under Stranger in the House. I could not find a reference to that anywhere as to where it was released under that name. But I guess it was. Hmm. But once they re-released it, they all got titled Black Christmas, which makes sense. This film was directed by Bob Clark. He also directed A Christmas Story. Uh, ten years later, I think, because I think that's an 80s film. Right? I don't know. But yeah, he's the director of A Christmas Story. Baby Geniuses. Uh... In a bunch of other movies, but those are like his big ones. And he is also listed as an executive director on the 2006 Black Christmas film. So he had a hand in that. This was also written by Roy Moore. And that's all I got. All right.
0: All of a sudden I hear click and then everything deletes for a second. I was like, oh. (laughs) You're like, oh, nice. The end. That's it. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of my TED Talk. Uh so this this was filmed in Toronto, Canada, and it starts out looking at like the sorority house of Pi Kappa Sig on 6 Belmont Street. Um I know nothing about sororities. I never pledged. I laughed at people that kind of pledged. I didn't laugh at them, but like I was such a hermit when it came to college that like the first year in the dorms, I had my own like dorm room and I was a hermit. I didn't do shit. I didn't like, if I wasn't in class, I was normally up in my room alone doing nothing.
1: The majority of sororities cater to a very particular type of female. And that I am not. That is not you for sure. Uh, yeah. I When I went to school, I was a non-traditional student. So, like, I had a kid and a life and a house. So, I, like, went to campus, sat in class, and left. But they had lots of cool t shirts and I was like, Wow, you guys pay a lot on shirts.
0: I knew a lot of people that like from high school that went and pledged and did like the whole sorority thing and I was like, Good on you. My soccer team was enough estrogen in my life (laughs) at times. It's basically the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um I was go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, do you know if their names mean anything at all? Because, like, I don't know any sort of, like, pi, kappa, sig, uh, what's, what are the other ones? There's others. Alpha.
1: There's omega. Thirteen Greek letters. Um, they are based off Greek letters. And so the origins, I I googled this beforehand because I, too, was curious about that, uh, the origins of like fraternities, basically, because obviously they came first, uh, date back to the 18th century when the first fraternity formed in Williamsburg, Virginia, called Phi Beta Kappa. And that's not the first fraternity ever, that's just uh, the first one to use Greek letters. Previously, they used Latin letters because it used to be that to even like get into university, you had to be able to speak Latin. And if you were super cool, you could speak Greek. And if you were extra, extra cool, you could speak Greek, Latin, and Hebrew or something like that. So that
0: They th- struggled with French.
1: They were just being <laughs> a bunch of pretentious assholes is really what it is. <laughs> and they're like, look at us. We can speak Latin. La-di-da. So. Sorry. This fraternity was like, we're going to be super, super cool and way cooler than all these other people and show how smart and white we are and name ourselves Phi Beta Kappa because it represented their secret motto, which I guess is not so secret. If you name your group that, Uh, Philosopha Bioskybernetis, I apologize, Greece. Uh Uh, Which uh roughly translates to philosophy is the guide to life. So they say. The first social organization for college women was the Adelphian Society in 1851, which was founded in 1851 at Wesleyan (laughs) Female College, a small private women's college in central Georgia. This was later named Alpha Delta Pi. It starts from the... Oh, <laughs> I just skipped and went straight into that. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure they said it just like that. I don't know what Delta yeah. Phi stands for, but, yeah. I couldn't tell you. I asked my mom if she was in a sorority, because she, I feel like, is someone who probably could have been, should she have chosen to. She said she was never in one, but she got offered to pledge to be a little sister, which was... Not a sorority, but you were, like, in a fraternity, but not really fraternity adjacent. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. She said no. And I was like, probably a good choice.
0: Uh, Yeah, my mom, let's get into the movie, why don't we, shall we? If we must.
1: No, actually, I really liked this one. The 74 version is really good.
0: It's, you know, it's not that bad. It's not... My favorite, but it's because I've watched this like a hundred times and <laughs> so I'm just like, I know what's coming. Um but it starts off at the point of view of like a creeper who climbs the terrace of this house in uh that's just full of women and he crawls into the attic. So like you get thrown into this idea that like homeboy's just a creeper crawling into the attic being weird. And uh are you cold? I am cold. I'm oh, very cold. <laughs> just see you, like, holding your arms. Um, sorry. So, uh, according to the section of the original script that was uh, found not verified, but, uh, you know, what, what we think, it it, it looks legit. Um, <laughs> this creeper has been, uh, it, he's been squatting there for a while. So the interior attic the night, this is what the script says through a wide angle lens the subjective camera rummages around the attic there's a the sound of heavy breathing rags and half rotted food and old clothes from a bed in one corner of the moonlit attic and it appears someone has been living here it bears an unnerving resemblance to the, spy- the spider's lair um, I don't know, understand that reference but uh, there are dusty old toys in the attic and as the camera passes a rocking horse squeaking and swinging back and forth
1: gross i don't i don't remember seeing that he had been like living there for a while but clearly he had been there because he knew exactly where to go the window was open and unlocked and he had no issues oh
0: that's another cool thing we'll get to it later but this, it, there's the cat there's a cat um so downstairs, the girls are having a Christmas party before they're all like se- like separate before the holidays, and they all go home or go wherever the fuck they want to go. Um, so there's Barb, one of the first sorority girls you meet. She's played Barb by, by Margot Kitty Kitter Kitty. She's played by Margot Kitter. Um, I like Kitty better. Thanks. I <laughs> my mind instantly would just want to go to Kitty so. You know, her biggest spot was Lois Lane in the super uh, the Superman film series, and and she appeared in that about well, she appeared in the first four films. I'm sorry. She's also Kathy Lutz in the Amityville horror in 1979. There are a lot of those two. That would be a truck and a half to tackle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A truck and a half, not a sedan, but a truck and a half.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's that would be a lot. Um in two thousand fifteen she won a daytime Emmy Award for her performance in the children's television er, television television series of R. L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. Which uh sounds really cool. I uh, haven't seen it, but it sounds cool.
1: I have no idea what it is, but we've had quite a few people in that. R. L. Stein
0: is just they're coming out with some really cool stuff about R.L. Stein's like movies and things like that. Like with the, I mean the movies of the Goosebumps movies, but there's other TV shows that are pretty good
1: so far. I mean, he's written enough books to fill a library.
0: I know. Um, she also won supporting role as Laurie Strode's therapist Barbara Collier in Rob Zombie's Halloween Two in 2009. Which you know, uh, the funny thing is when I first saw that and I saw the way that she was dressed and everything, I went, "Wow." You just like my mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your mom is a therapist. As soon as you graduate a uh, therapy school, is what I'm gonna call it to make it easy. They just give you an outfit. That's your yeah, cap and gown. It's
0: like <laughs> it's like a colorful cardigan with like a nice scarf, and then you have like the really comfy like shoes that are sometimes colorful. Um, my mom
1: had uh, rainbow pa- like paint splatter ones, and they're not like. <laughs> They're not, like, scarves that keep you warm. They're, like, decorative scarves. No, they're, scarves. like,
0: flashy scarves. Yeah.
1: <laughs> kind of, like, uh, oh, what is her name? Kathy Bates. Andrew, And Andrews.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. A- Julian Andrews?
1: Yeah, the way that she looks as the queen in The Princess. My brain is completely <laughs> shot. I'm so down. confused. <laughs> princess Diaries. Uh you sh- <laughs> I mean,
0: like the Princess uh, Bride. Like, what that's, princess? What,
1: <laughs> that's what my brain was going to. And I was like, it's not that one. It's not. I promise. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So if you ever see Split, which we should do, which is a great movie. Um, the legit therapist in that dude to a T is exactly dressed like the way my mom does. <laughs>
1: like, Perfect. And classy professional broads.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I love you, mom. I hope if you're listening, I love you. <laughs>
1: Whatever, your mom doesn't listen. We all know.
0: Um, she was okay. So back to uh, back to Margot Kidder. I keep wanting to say kitty. Um, she was also an activist. In 2011, she was arrested with others while protesting in the Washington D.C. against the uh, well in Washington D.C against the proposed extension for the Keystone pipeline Um, in 2012 she appeared in a video for stop the frack attack for an environmental organization uh, working toward regulating hydraulic fracturing uh, like fracturing practices and I discovered what that was on a car ride Uh, well it was a car trip to colorado and i saw like a fracturing thing and i was like babe do you know what that is and he's like oh yeah it's this and told me about it and i was like that sounds terrible okay. i
1: learned i mean I, I knew the general of fracking but i like learned the details of it by watching oh god now my brain's gonna shit again uh <laughs> that drew barrymore tv show on netflix where she's a zombie
0: Oh, I was just talking about that today.
1: Uh, Something Diaries. I don't know. There's like this big whole plot line about fracking. So oh, that's I, how I, I know that. the details. Okay. Uh, The Santa Clarita Diet. That's there what it's you called. go. I was like, it's not Nothing. Diaries, but I'm nope. going to go with it. <laughs> I love that show, though. It's so funny. The husband so is my favorite. Answer.
0: I know. He's just trying to help, but like not, but like help at the same time.
1: <laughs> He's like the only one keeping his shit together.
0: She also spent the winter from of two thousand sixteen to two thousand seventeen residing in a tent at Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota, protesting the uh, North Dakota Access Pipeline, which I remember all about. Um, sadly, she died May thirteenth, two thousand eighteen, in Montana, and was la- it was later ruled a suicide by alcohol and drug overdose. She, so that's pretty unfortunate.
1: She had a lifelong. Battle, battle with uh being diagnosed bipolar mm-hmm. she, oh yeah she it took her a long time she, like she was diagnosed as a kid but she didn't even like really accept it or seek treatment until she was much older and so she she had some sort of she had a lot of health issues from a car accident i want to say uh that like fucked her up pretty good and oh. then i saw him, article where somebody one of her friends or something had said that during i think it was the standing rock reservation the temperatures were fucking horrible yeah i know it was bad um and it really messed up her health or like it just hit her extra hard and so she was really struggling come 2018
0: um, but in this movie, she's uh, she's seen as the too cool for school. Uh, she drinks a lot because of her mom doesn't care about her kind of girl. She's she's drunk pretty much this entire movie, or passed out, um, and not helpful in any form. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, she <laughs> she calls her mother a gold plated whore out of curiosity. So oh, so out of curiosity. I should slow down a little.
1: Um. I'm the same way. It's okay.
0: So, out of curiosity, we looked it up, and it either means she's a hooker with a heart of gold, which I don't understand, or she charges too much. So, uh, you know, good on her. Could be one or the other. Yeah, Urban Dictionary didn't have an answer. Good job, Urban Dictionary. Thanks. I will never
1: get sponsored by them either. The other one is Phil. I'm sorry. There's another sister in the house named... I was like, There's a lot, but yeah. Her full name is Phyllis. Uh, but they call her phil and she's played by andrea martin who plays aunt vi i think it's viola in my big fat greek wedding and she's the yeah. one she's the one that's like what do you mean you don't eat no meat that's okay I yeah make man. Lamb.
0: yeah man i love her and i love that movie we used to watch that movie a lot I oh i love that movie
1: i haven't seen it's the second so one I yeah, have not seen this
0: second one. I'm afraid
1: it's going to ruin it, so I probably just never will. Uh,
0: yeah, no, that's fair. I, ah, uh, that's legit. That's a valid reason.
1: A different kind of murder. Uh she is also the voice of Kim Possible's mom. Oh, I didn't know that. I know she sounds very different uh, in as Kim Possible's mom. She's the voice of Miss Fowl, the crowing teacher in Jimmy Neutron. What? Yeah, that's so funny. Jmaj squawk. Yeah, <laughs> I used to love that show. I still I, love that show. I know uh, the the movie was great. Uh, she, <laughs> she's so good. She voices Aunt Miriam on Rugrats. She's Baba Yaga in Bartok
0: the Magnificent. How did I not fucking know that? That's one of my favorite fucking movies on this planet. Cause he's Bartok the Magnificent. Bartok's just the shit, guys. I just want you to know, Bartok is amazing I'm gonna
1: he is a with a I hi like yeah. and a hi and a ha and a kicker sir somebody else is a voice we'll get there there's another Anastasia reference oh, stay tuned on. let's do this and in the next six weeks when we put out our next episode you'll find out no, I'm just kidding uh, anyways Phil is the rational sweet and nerdy looking one that's as Go far Phil. as I got
0: <laughs> uh, we also have Jess Bradford, who is played by Olivia Hasse. Huse,
1: Hussé? She I is. Don't, I don't want to call her a Hussey but <laughs> she's Italian and
0: Huse, uh,
1: Spanish, I, right. I think.
0: Okay. Well, you know. Okay. So at the age of 15, she played Juliet in Fran uh, Franco's Zeffirelli's. That's is that right? Franco Zeffirelli. Thank you. I need the fingers. Uh, but she was she was Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, which uh, it gave her a bunch of awards. But it, and it came out back in 1986 or 1968.
1: Sorry, 68. We had to watch that in ninth grade, and we had to get permission slips signed because when she has sex with Romeo, you see his naked butt, and we had to get permission slips. Oh no, not the butt. That not said the butt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> Utah. I don't know if other schools had to do that. But.
0: Oh, shit. You're right. Actually, I'm curious. If you're out of state or out of country, did you have to sign certain things to be able to watch things like that? That's hilarious. I never thought of that. <laughs> um, she was also in the 1990s Psycho uh, 4, the, the beginner of Norma Bates.
1: No, it's called I The Beginner, not... but she plays Norma Bates. Oh,
0: as Norma. Sorry. Sorry. Um, You're right. I've never seen that one. I'll tell you that right now though. That's too many. Um she also took the ro- she took the role because she'd been informed by a psychic that she would be involved in a film in Canada that would make a lot of money. So, good on the psychic for telling her that.
1: There were I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There were a few interviews where people were like, "Yeah, Olivia was um interesting." Very sweet, (laughs) and I was like, well, that explains it all."
0: Got it. She's the uh, she's the normal girl with boyfriend issues, and always has a has probably always has a boyfriend. Always one of those people.
1: And then there's Claire Harrison, who's played by Lynn Griffin. She plays a character in Amazon's uh, Amazon Prime. The Boys. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Have you ever seen that? Kind
0: of. And I, I love that show. It's actually fucking amazing. I love that show. It's great as hell. I'm trying to figure out who she is. She. It's probably a... In The Boys.
1: When you figure it out, let me know. The only person I could think she would be is the lady that's like running the whole show, but I don't think that's her. Um, But if you haven't seen The Boys, it's great. It's very violent. She great. looks like Molly Weasley. <laughs> uh... <laughs> She Uh, plays
0: Lois in The Boys. I don't know who Lois is.
1: Some random side part, then.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But in this movie, she's considered, like, the virgin of the house. Barb gets on her all the time for being the virgin and upsets her and picks on her. And everyone's like, be nice, Barb.
0: God damn it, Barb. This is why we can't have nice things.
1: Barb is the one that's rude to everybody. And they just tolerate her, but she thinks that she's really cool, and everybody really doesn't like her that much.
0: And she's a drunk.
1: That's why. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they uh, they end the party and send all the boyfriends out of the house. Uh, everybody goes home, which is kind of like setting up for the idea of like the vulnerable home full of women, because women can't defend themselves, and there are no big strong men to save them and be there and be their knight in shining armor.
1: And I was like... Uh, oh, no, what are they going to do? Everyone's going to have to jump on this one guy's back, and then it'll be like a cartoon football game where everyone's jumped on the one person's back, and he's still, like, running the football. Oh, yeah.
0: There's, like, one dragging on one of his foot. Yep. Feet. <laughs> um, well, turns out they've been getting frequent calls from someone who just calls and breathes heavy. Um And, uh, the phone voice was played by two different men, which included the director and then Nick Mancuso. Also, the cameraman, Albert J. Dunk, I almost said drunk, (laughs) performed the creeps POV shot, or point of view shots, POV, not everybody knows POV, (laughs) but it's the point of view shots from the creeper, so those little nifty scenes that you see there, um, Neither the character nor his portrayers are listed in the end credits, but later he was called Billy, and uh, the director has himself referred to as the character by that name in the interviews, so he takes um, credit for
1: that. And then during this particular phone call, uh, the caller, I guess, stepped up his game from just breathing, and I turned on the subtitles because it was kind of hard to hear. But this is what this subtitle said of the call. Heavy breathing. Garbled noises. Screaming. Whispering. And he whispers, I want to lick it. Let me stick my tongue in it and lick it. Which right then, I'm like, why are you still listening to this conversation? Yeah, (laughs) and
0: it gets gets worse.
1: Uh, And then he chuckles. And then he snorts. And then he laughs. And then he says, you pig cunt. And then it continues with a lot of obscenities. Yeah. And then at one point he says, I'm like a tuna farm, baby. (laughs) Yeah, some of the shit that's Um, said is
0: just like, um, what?
1: He's clearly just like lost his mind.
0: Like, okay, bro, we got it. You're fucking crazy.
1: And then, of course, the I don't give a fuck Barb is just egging him on. And eventually, the phone hangs up. And one of the girls is like, um yeah, there was a girl in town that got raped, so maybe we should I don't know, be smart and Barb's like, You're stupid. It Sounds about right. But uh this
0: leads to if you get creepy calls or things like that, just fucking hang up.
1: Yeah, don't egg people on and just like don't listen to it. But I guess no. now we have caller ID and everyone just screens calls anyways, which is nice. Yeah, people <laughs> know how to hack
0: that shit so quickly. It's kinda of scary. Uh, my mind just goes to when a stranger calls at all times the call is coming from inside the house I really do enjoy that movie though
1: we will get to that movie reference in a little bit oh okay um so the house, mo-
0: the house mother um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great day guys the house mother Miss Mac arrives and she is played by Marion Waldman um and she's mostly done, like, on-stage acting. She's She hasn't done too much, like, actual, like, movie or TV stuff. But she died um, on July 5th in 1958. 1985. And I, <laughs> I'm real good at this right now. 1985 is when she died, uh, July 5th. In Toronto, Canada. So, um,
1: Katie's gonna go plug herself in,
0: and yeah, I gotta recharge. Um, I'm, she's gonna I'm like Baymax when he dies, and he's yeah. like, "Kitty, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, take a breather, <laughs> stick your hand yeah. outside, get some solar." <laughs>
0: you we know, don't. You kidding me? We're having a massive storm coming in here. We have no, no sun.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why. See, you haven't gotten enough sun.
0: Why do you think this lamps on in the back? This is my sun lamp that gives my plants some actual, like, real life, like UV light and kind of shit.
1: So Katie's gonna go stick her face in the lamp. <laughs> close, I'll be back. close your eyes. Uh, but Miss Mac is an unconventional. Ho- well, I assume she's unconventional only because, as she doesn't act like what I am hoping the schools. Would hire them to act like
0: you. you would hope so. She got a lot. She got a lot of drinking spots that are like all hidden. So,
1: which I don't know why she felt she had to hide them. Know what I do? She's hiding them from Barb, so Barb doesn't drink them all.
0: Glee, <laughs> that's that's all that is.
1: Uh, but she is such a mess. Uh, she's oh big time constantly pulling bottles of alcohol out of hidden spaces. Which I guess if you like live with, you're expected to babysit a bunch of grown ass women. I could get that uh and to
0: follow rules that are never going to actually be followed
1: and then she is like rinsing her mouth out after brushing her teeth with
0: ooh yeah
1: <laughs> alcohol and then at one point she walks out of the house with only like the top right of her lipstick on <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's great she just has no idea she's a mess she is a mess And then Barb refers to her as the Queen of vaudeville, circa 1891. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Okay, Okay, princess. So what I did, I googled. Because Google's uh, the best verb ever. (laughs) I googled it. And a vaudeville is a type of theater that was started in France. It was originally meant to be a comedy without psychological or moral intentions. Basically, it's just, like, laughter. No underlying point. Mm -hmm. And it's based on a comical situation, a dramatic composition, or light poetry, mixed with songs or ballads. Today, we would call that a variety show. It became quite popular in the United States and Canada in the early 1880s until the 1930s. Uh, Eva Tangway, I think... She died in January 1947, was a Canadian singer and entertainer who billed herself as the girl who made vaudeville famous, and she was Uh, known uh, uh, as the queen of vaudeville during the height of her popularity from the early 1900s until the 1920s. Uh, The vaudeville she did was different than the French version, because, of course, we can't do anything right here. No, of course not. Uh, but that's, I assume, what she was referring to, but I don't get the reference. I'm like, is it supposed... I think it's supposed to be an insult, because she's being, like, comedic. Like, she's just such a mess. I don't know. Mm. I'd be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. But who knows? They would like me. Yeah. They really like me. Um,
0: so, of course, Barbara finds Claire, and uh, she decides to go to bed early, just so you know that she will be the first to die because she's gonna go to bed early. Um. Enter the she- cat. See, we finally have a cat. God damn it, I was so excited about this. She gets loving, she gets all these little lovings from this white, like big white Persian cat. His name is Claude and he belongs to Miss Mac. And I think it's hilarious cause she yells Claude consistently, constantly expecting him to be like, yeah, I'm up here, bitch. Come get me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There is a website called Cinema Cats, uh, which has the tagline of celebrating cats in movies and television. So obviously we need to incorporate this more often now that we found it. Um, There's also another one called Horror Cats with Similar Lines. With a similar line, I'm sorry. Um, But there's also a Twitter feed where someone... Uh, said black christmas but from the point of claude so it's it's titled black cat smith
1: <laughs> i was like brilliant
0: cat smith it's, it's just the,
1: all you see is like the camera and he's like licking himself and then it comes up and someone's getting murdered and it just goes back to him licking himself <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and then he gets uh, trapped in the attic, and it's just like ninety minutes of him licking the plastic bag covering the lady's face.
0: <laughs> yes, there you go. God damn it, that's so funny. <laughs> so while in her room, Claire's here meowing from her closet, and um, the attic lurker jumps out and murders her th- really quickly with slashes uh, over her body, and and then she's in the attic. That's not what he- that's not what that says, babe. <laughs> You're right, it's not. Oh, then quickly stashes her body in the haddock. (laughs) I I read Slashes and I was like, I don't remember this. That's
1: okay. I'm leaving that in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been such a long day. I've been awake since 4am. What do you you want from me?
1: I'm just not even going to edit our episodes anymore. I'm just going to put them in raw. That's
0: a terrible (laughs) idea. They're going to be like four hours fucking long. Um. (laughs) So, where am going do that. Um, while in her room packing, Claire's here. Claire hears meowing. <laughs>
1: from- I'm just going to tangent. I'm
0: trying, I'm trying so hard to be honest.
1: Like. I'm going to tangent while you go shove your face into the, into the lamp some more. The, earlier, I was thinking of how we could incorporate um, meow mail into our podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as like a section. And then my brain went into like... Oh, well, on um, Blue's Clues, they're like, mail time! <laughs> I was like, but what if Blue's Clues was a cat? <laughs> and then it would be called, like, Snowball Secrets. And it would just be an old lady in a moo-moo wandering around trying to find out where the cat threw up.
0: You know, for somebody who doesn't smoke pot, you really sound like you smoke pot.
1: I have a natural <laughs> high on life, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so uh, people need to send us mail so we can say meow mail. Yeah. <laughs> that was the moral of that story. Uh, in my head,
0: the first thing I thought of when you said meow mail is people sending us emails of like their cats meowing.
1: Yes, we could end. <laughs> that could be like our theme song. <laughs> we could just mash them together to a cool techno beat.
0: It's, it's like the fucking it's like the commercials like meow, 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 meow.
1: But techno. Meow meow. meow, meow. Meow, Me-meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow.
0: Meow, meow, Oh, it'd be so funny. If anybody has any great meowing videos of their cats, please send us your cat's picture, the audio of your cat, or and the name of your cat. If
1: you just or ha- just send us your cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through the mail, the email. Just shove them into the <laughs> scanner, and they'll fax it right over. <laughs> uh... You could also just send us your cat attacking your Christmas tree stories, because I'm sure that we will have some shortly. I have
0: videos of that. I want videos of that for sure. That's why I don't have a Christmas tree. My Christmas tree is a pop-up book.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of pop-up books, uh, the creeper pops out (laughs) of the closet (laughs) and murders Claire with right. a dry cleaning plastic bag, and then very swiftly, and I picture it like Grinch shoving a tree up the chimney, <laughs> like yeah, throws her body <laughs> into the attic somehow. You just
0: get that that like fling sounds like. <laughs> yep,
1: exactly. Um, in one swift motion, and the cat follows, I guess, and that's it.
0: I I um I question the cat following in that. Cats don't climb ladders. I mean, cats can climb ladders, let's be honest here. But, but like, I, I feel don't think like if- that's a lot of effort.
1: I think Billy actually liked the cat and probably just was like... Because
0: he just stole him. He yeah. was like, fuck all you guys. You don't deserve his cat.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that there is a cat in all three of these movies, too. The second one is only mentioned. I don't think you actually see it in 2006.
1: Okay, I was going to say I don't remember when.
0: It's mentioned it. It's just, I don't think you see it. Dumb. Anyways... um. So, back to her dying. Claire's dead. The next day...
1: <laughs> Moral of the storm. Claire's dead. <laughs> and then it's December 24th.
0: Uh, so the next day, Claire's father is left waiting for her to meet him at 1pm, and he just doesn't... Sh- or she doesn't show, and so he's like, Excuse me, young man. Um, Can you tell me... Do you know this person? And you're asking a person on a college campus if they know one single other person and that's a really hard shot. <laughs> you know
1: The fact that that guy was like so concerned, I just hit my microphone, so concerned and kind, I was like yes. That's nice.
0: You never get that anymore. But also um,
1: Claire's dad looked like Red Foreman from that 70s show but like his younger brother.
0: Gonna put a boot up your ass. <laughs> I fucking love that 70s
1: show. Um,
0: but it's he is played foot. by James
1: what he says i'm gonna put my foot up your ass yeah you said boot oh because we're oh, in canada a can boot i have a joke <laughs> i have a joke about canada okay don't be offended canada <laughs>
0: i was gonna say please don't offend our listeners
1: i heard this in elementary school so it shouldn't be too offensive oh right <laughs> um anyway how did canada get its name how uh, there was a bag of letters and they said, Okay, we're gonna randomly pull out letters and that will spell can that will spell the name of our country. They pulled out a C and they went C A N A D And there you have Canada.
0: made Canadian friends at Lostlands, and they were really funny and super nice, and then we made fun of the fire because the volcano caught on fire and shut the show down for like 20 minutes, fun fact. <laughs> they were cool. Um, so back to the movie, Claire's father is played by James Edmund, and sadly he died uh, in 2000 at the age of 76 in Canada, eh?
1: No. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> Canada. Canada.
0: Canada. I literally say Canada on accident all the fucking time, and I'm like, no, Canada, 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 Canada. Canada just comes out, and it just sounds. My my mouth just likes it better, apparently.
1: It has a flow. Yeah. But while he's looking for Claire around campus, Jess is telling her boyfriend Peter. That she is pregnant and wants to get an abortion and Peter disagrees.
0: It's like we're having our own conversation and, and you don't even know about it. <laughs> oh, I love those cats. Uh yeah, and he's like an asshole about this too. He's I mean, a fucking asshole about the abortion situation, but
1: I not to get into the politic part of it, but I could understand not being able to have an opinion cuz ultimately his opinion doesn't count but i could see that that would be really frustrating anyways peter um, is
0: played by uh is it kier kier Ke- sure kier i'm it's k e i r but kier dola um and he's been in things like 2001 a space odyssey and the sequel of that he's also been in the halo tv series that is coming out in 2022 which a lot of people are really excited about. Pew pew. Um, but he's also in Haunting of Julia, that came out in 1977.
1: And then after that, Jess goes home. She's all alone. Another phone call comes. Ba-ba-ba-bum. And the caller has escalated to making voices, like a one man show. And there's a woman that says, Billy? And the guy says, What you mother and I must know is where did you put the baby? Where did you put Agnes, Billy? And the woman's voice... Although it's meant to be the caller, like, it's clearly a woman, just so you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, But the voice was done by Ann Sweeney. Also, I don't think she was credited officially. Uh, She is most known for playing the nurse on M.A.S.H., There you go. But that's, I mean, it just goes back and forth like that, basically. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the call, Jess finds out Claire's missing, and that Claire's boyfriend, Chris Hayden, hasn't been uh, like checked with yet to see if he has seen her. Sorry, I got sidetracked because I was like, where have I heard that name before? In Gilmore Girls. Not that you watch that. Uh, The main dad's name is Christopher Hayden, I believe. But anyways. Uh, while she's looking for Chris, Mr. Harrison, Phil, and Barb are at the police station on the corner of Stanwick Avenue Main Street. I tried to Google that. Couldn't find it in real life. The intersection.
0: <laughs> I'm so that's just probably not a real place.
1: I mean, it probably is in Canada, but my phone is just like, no, you live in the United States. Why are you looking in Canada? You're not allowed to look at this address. Basically. Uh, but I was wondering, because mostly in TV shows and stuff, they're like, but it hasn't been 24 hours yet. Uh, fun fact, you don't have to wait... How I hit myself. You don't have to wait 24 <laughs> hours to report a missing adult. Uh, police departments often recommend a person wait 24 hours because they have the choice to be missing. It's like an adult choice, I guess. Uh, yeah. I think it's just because they don't want to do the paperwork. Um But you can and you have the right to say, no, I want to file a report. And if they refuse, you can talk to the supervisor or whatever. But there's no official laws or regulations to say you cannot report in 24 hours or until after 24 hours. In fact, most places now say uh, they would rather you report as soon as you notice someone's missing because the first 48 to 72 hours are the most crucial. Right. But unfortunately, Barb is shwasted and does not help the situation at all. And she gives the cop, poor Sergeant Nash, (laughs) the false address of fellatio 20880. And he doesn't know what that means because he is, I guess, tender and pure. Uh, But he is played by Doug McGrath, who was also on a TV series called Puppets Who Kill, which sounds intriguing.
0: Uh, at the, at the same time, you can hear a local Janice, uh, Quaff? quafe.
1: I'm sorry, I mistyped that. Um, the mother is just Mrs. Quafe. Her daughter is Janice.
0: Oh, okay, okay. I, I know and what you're talking about. Okay.
1: The mother is played by Martha Gibson. I just, I forgot that. it.
0: Okay. Sorry. I got it. I got it. I get it. I got you. It's cool. Um, <clears throat> So, at the same time at the police station, you can hear local Mrs. Quaff. Quaff? 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 Quaff sounds better. (laughs) She is She's played by Martha Gibson, who is uh, the old woman in the 2017 It, by the way, that is, like, standing outside of her house. Um, But you can hear her in the background reporting that her 13-year-old daughter is missing and went missing that day. Well, actually, she'd been missing overnight. She didn't come home from school the night before. Um, But that was at the exact moment that Jess and Chris walk in to the uh, police station.
1: Uh, Chris is played by Art Hindle, who is in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is the only one I cared about. Hmm. But I guess Chris knows all the cops because of his older brother. And as soon as he walks in, he like rages and he's like, you're fucking dumb, Nash. And then... Lieutenant Ken Fuller takes him seriously, and that's the one who was helping Miss Quaif.
0: Who is yeah. always a goddamn cop. <laughs> he, yeah. He's a I, cop in Nightmare on Elm Street and shit like that. He is always a cop.
1: Yeah, he all of his parts are copish. Mm-hmm. He has the face for it. He does. And he basically berates poor Nash. And poor Nash, the whole time in this movie, he's like trying so hard, but he just can't do shit right. <laughs> uh As Katie said, Ken Fuller is played by John Saxon, who is probably the most famous of all these cast members, I'd say. So. And as she said, the one we care about is the Nightmare on Elm Street. He died July 25th, 2020 at the age of 83. And then Barb, this is random, but she makes a really inappropriate comment about how turtles copulate for three days straight to Claire's dad because he's freaking out. And I Googled that and it's not true. There's a lot, a lot, of articles about sea turtle mating rituals, uh, more than there probably should be.
0: Marine biology, man, they got they got to know their stuff. <clears throat> but uh, police put together a uh, local search party, kind of of just volunteers to go search. Um, for this little girl and to search for Claire, who's missing. And while the gang is at the park, they're searching. Miss Mac tries to find her cat and ends up dead in the attic, which really angers the uh, squatter. Well, he... he, he <laughs> it angers the squatter because um, he didn't want her up there in the first place, and I love that he kills her with a hook. <laughs> um, but this leaves Barb alone, and uh, she is passed out in her bed still, so just chillin'. But... The uh, the search group does come along the 13-year-old girl dead in the park so uh, now they're all frantic about there's a killer on the loose the 13-year-old girl was found dead and I feel like that is said did you know there was a girl that was found dead just in the park over here I feel like that was said at least like
1: 12 times in the movie well it's a small college town and it's a big deal but and apparently she was like horrifically killed because everyone who saw it would just scream
0: yeah so I guess they just decide to uh, end the search party there and then and uh, yeah. Phil and Jess just go home because of that so <laughs> Phil goes to bed and just gets another phone call and it's always Jess who's answering these phones these phone calls poor girl but this one comes up with uh, crying help please stop me uh, a woman says filthy billy and then there's more uh, like more random talking between the woman the man and billy and about this baby agnes nobody knows what this baby agnes is or who it is um but i gotta say that their christmas tree uh as cool as like being in covered like covered in like old school spider webs as cool as that be and as fun as that would be to have like a halloween tree they're trying to go for a christmas tree and this Christmas tree looks like it's covered in fur or like furry spider webs. It it just looks fucking weird. But um nevertheless, we digress. Jess does report this to, le- to the lieutenant who immediately taps the phone, and they're trying to track this, but it's gonna take a lot more time to track a phone call back then than it does now for sure. But um The lieutenant sets the seed in Jess's head that her boyfriend Peter is behind all of this and uh while a shadow creeps in the background of course which apparently was the director so uh he's just chilling in the background trying to give us a little bit more uh creepy feel vibe type thing maybe some maybe oh so because this is the 70s you know back in the day where apparently my dad as a child could get picked up on the side of the road with a shotgun um at some point Some random civilians who are doing a house-to-house check with, uh, like, they're doing, like, house-to-house searches with rifles, because what could go wrong in that situation? But, you know, back in the 70s, people were a lot more gun-smart, maybe? But they stop at the house and ask if the girls have seen any, like, anyone particular around, um, and then they say, by the way, there's been a lot of people that are randomly wandering around, so no worries. We'll keep an eye out, kind of dealio, and, um... I still would be like, why the fuck do you need a gun? You should go away. (laughs) Of course, oddly enough, you know, all these guys that come to check with rifles and everything, they don't notice the murdered cop that's sitting in the car out front uh, of the sorority house. So, they're just like, oh, cop, cool. Walk away.
1: There are more disturbing phone calls about Agnes and Billy doing something bad to her, but they don't really give any details. And the poor phone guy who is tapping the phone has to run down aisles of phone machine things to find the location. It's really intense. <laughs> I can't imagine having to figure that out.
0: No, oh, for real. And I'm curious about, like, what he's looking at to, like, track that.
1: Yeah, it, like, it makes sense that we call it, like, I'm tracing the line because it's literally phone lines all in this big mass center. And he has to... Like f- literally follow the line from one spot to the next and i googled and on quora a person who did that for a living or was a telephone operator for a living responded with how that worked uh this person said i had to do this once when i was working as an operator the trace started at the operator switch room To identify the line in use the line engineer then followed that line out to the exchange relay room which is where he was running up and down those aisles he found it by listening to each line and then following it to the next point in the chain this would involve a couple of relay rooms and numerous street cabinets and junction boxes none of those words mean anything to me (laughs) every so often there was a voice in my ear saying is this the one to which i replied yes and he went on to the next point The trace ended at the incoming line to the caller's local exchange. Also means nothing to me. Uh, The whole process took about 45 minutes, which is not easy to keep someone on the phone for 45 minutes.
0: Not unless you're good fucking friends. Uh,
1: (laughs) During which time, this person couldn't do any work because they had to watch the line the whole time. But
0: Yeah, that's rough.
1: Yeah, that takes a lot of work.
0: (laughs) And nowadays we just need a minute. I don't even think we need that anymore.
1: I know. Depends, I guess. But eventually
0: the guy tracks it down. And guess what? It's coming from inside the house. AKA another um, When a Stranger Calls reference. Because that was what the cop said.
1: Well, actually, (laughs) When a Stranger Calls is referencing Black Christmas.
0: You're right. You're right. Still good.
1: yeah but when I see that I hear it from I, I, I hear the cop like frantically like Jill it's coming from inside the house and then she like drops her phone and that's when you see her friend also in the bathroom. an actress oh. in the 2006 version just so you know but anyways yeah but
0: fu- yeah yeah she's doing a lot of stuff that I didn't realize until after I saw the remake of Night I know Elm
1: Street. <laughs> she's very generic looking but I was like man I know her face and then I was like oh shit she's in a lot But anyways, this might be the first movie that did, like, that whole inside the house drama.
0: Bum, 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 bum! After not being able to hear him scream in the house for some odd reason, even though you should easily be able to hear him scream in the house that easily, because uh, you're hearing him walking around I'm like it's nothing. But Nash calls Jess to tell her... uh Her and... So Officer Nash calls Jess to tell her, and she goes and gets... uh she goes to get her sleeping sisters before she leaves the house and finds both of them dead, even though the officer was like, don't get them, just leave the house, just leave the house. It's like he already knew, but she decided to go try and save her sisters instead. But the creeper is in the crack of the door, which uh, is gross and uh, incredibly loved, because like, you see his eye and it's really gross, And um, but he does whisper... Did you tell what we did, Agnes? Um, and it's really gross and creepy. And he just keeps trying to find this person named Agnes, or keeps talking about this person named Magnus, and we don't know who it is. But Jess escapes to the basement with a fire poker, and Peter randomly shows up and somehow knows that she's in the basement. In the basement, which is very suspicious, and Jess does catch on and agrees with that state of situation. But the lieutenant finally shows up and finds Peter dead in Jess's lap, who is passed out. Um, she attacked him with the poker, I assume, because he was all bloodied in the face and all that good stuff. But this is where the ending gets really bizarre and everybody questions everything or everybody should question everything at least. But the police decide decide to sedate Jess and let her sleep for uh, just in her in her own bed. They're just going to put her in her own bed with all the dead bodies that are in. In the house as they slowly clear out, um, you know, in the crime scene, but she's sedated and in her own bedroom. So there's that. The police sedated Jess, left her in her own bed to sleep for some reason in the crime scene. Um, you know, where her sisters were murdered in their bedrooms, just
1: a door away. Yeah, I do <laughs> not know what the heck they were thinking. Uh, they like. Didn't... Well, it gets
0: it gets worse. Hang on, it gets worse. Okay. Because then. All the officers leave her in that room completely alone, not knowing, just assuming that Peter was the killer, but not checking the house for anything or any of that kind of stuff. And so, they all walk out to go, and one officer, there's one single officer at this house at this point, and he's outside smoking. And and, and that's, that's the fucking end of the movie, basically.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and apparently they didn't bother to search the attic, even though, I guess, in this house they didn't have a door to their attic, because it's, like, open the whole time. But they didn't bother to even finish searching the house, because it ends with Claire still rocking back and forth in the chair by the window, in this, like... got oh, the her head? Yeah, this perfectly
0: perfectly, <laughs> eh.
1: <laughs> Uh, this perfectly, like, beautiful shot. Uh... And some random baby in her arm. Um, She's in the attic. So then while this guy is outside smoking, the telephone rings. And it's probably Billy.
0: And it just... I also think... Okay, so one thing I do think is you don't know if uh, Jess is still alive or if she's dead because they just left her in the fucking room. But Billy called after every time he killed. Billy would call after every time or when he was killing so he was calling which makes me think that Jess is dead because then he killed her and is making the phone call but nobody answers ever
1: Uh, he also makes me wonder if that girl died the night before when he made that first call where he like really escalated
0: Ooh, what a thought
1: red strings man (laughs) <laughs> just some more red strings but yeah that's a good thought because um, you don't know if she died or not
0: but I just know that he would call when, when he was killing or after his kills and so that makes me assume that like you pan out after knowing that Jess is alone in her fucking room then it calls and I'm like alright so she's probably dead
1: I just assumed she was dead either way yeah and she can't even fight back Because she's sedated.
0: Sedated as fuck.
1: She's out. What a boring way to murder her, too. I didn't say that. (laughs) Anyways.
0: So that's the movie.
1: The actress who played Claire, all those scenes where she has the bag over her face, and she's rocking back and forth in the chair, she had to hold her breath. Because obviously, as we're told as children, don't put a bag over your face
0: yep i'm pretty sure all of us did that at one point
1: um but i guess for possibly the first time that we've read any of these uh background things it wasn't that bad of an experience and they like made sure she was okay because <laughs> they they have to like reshoot a lot and she was like oh yeah it wasn't bad i i was a swimmer so i know how to hold my breath and If I ever needed to, they would stop filming and it would be fine. And then to get the cat to lick her face, they sprayed catnip on the outside of the bag. And I think they included that because people have such like this fear, I guess, of cats eating their faces when they die. Um, Because that's like a thing, I guess, that people say is if you are a crazy cat lady and you die, your cats will eat your face. Which I, think is personally... they just, I think they just eat you. Don't they just eat your body? I mean, like, the I face just is assume just... That they would get hungry
0: enough that they would just go after all the body parts.
1: The face is just soft and tender. But that's just like the creepy version you see in your head is them eating your face. <laughs> that's fair. But, um, I mean, Tyler says that all the time as like a bash against cats. And he's like, but dogs will lay next to you. And I'm like, so you're telling me... Dogs will fucking eat you if they
0: get to a point that you're not fucking feeding it and they don't have any other food options. They're going to fucking eat your
1: body. Well, there's there's been times where dogs just lay down next to them. Um but I'm like, how selfish are you that you would rather your dog just lay down to eat next to you and die than eat you and live. Survive. Cuz you're <laughs> dead. So why do you care? But whatever. I'm like, well, at least yeah. you'd
0: be being at least you're still a donor at that point.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: Because I'm, I'm sure shit a donor. If I die, please make sure I fucking get buried or cremated without any of my organs. Let them all go to somebody living. That so that needs it. That's how I feel. Although uh, my liver is probably not that great. Let's be honest here.
1: I will just make sure that you die in the perfect conditions. Right. Right. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we need to call this psychic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope she's still alive, man. That was a while ago. Um. <laughs> but, anyways, um, I think it's safe to say that the murderer's
0: name is Billy. I would assume so. That's what we've assumed this entire time. I think
1: and, I uh, have. Billy <laughs> is having a psychotic break triggered. Yep. I don't know what triggers him. Um, maybe he overheard that. What's her Jess is pregnant, and it like sent him back. I don't know. <clears throat> Because clearly he has an issue with a baby named Agnes.
0: Yeah, and you never really get, like, any backstory onto any of that. He is,
1: like, a total mystery. But according to the director, he had created a whole backstory for Billy, even though he knew that it would never be revealed. In an interview, he said Billy is abusive and abused his little sister... And he, in turn, was abused himself, which is typically how the cycle works, and probably killed his parents, and then locked Agnes up in a basement for five or six years, which is, like, oddly specific, but not at all. Okay. Uh, Clark said, and I think she escaped, and Billy doesn't like girls, and it turns out Agnes doesn't like boys. And that was his description. And I'm like, did you just come up with that on the fly? (laughs) Or did you actually have that
0: planned? (laughs) He's like, fuck, I wasn't prepared for this question. Uh
1: This. Yeah. What it is. He's like, yes, I thought of this. Yes, definitely. Uh, it was maybe he put her here for five to six years. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? So, Do you think
0: that the uh, creators of the 2006 movie took that into consideration
1: and that's why they tried to build more of a backstory to him? No. I don't think they had... So I don't think they had anything to do with uh, his idea for Billy. I they think, just wanted their own explanation. Um, but the part they did take from Clark and add is he, whether this is true or not, he says that he talked to John Carpenter about his film. Um, and John Carpenter had asked if he was ever going to do a sequel. And he said, I wasn't planning on it, but if I did, it would start with uh, Billy in a mental hospital where he escapes to attack Jess. And he thinks that is what inspired John Carpenter's okay. Halloween. Or like the second movie for Halloween. The sequel for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically how that one goes. But so they, t- I think they took that mental hospital idea. And that's where they, they took that. But in the movie, Agnes is like a baby. And in 2006... She's a nine-year-old, so.
0: Yeah, they changed some of the timing details, but anyways, we'll get into that.
1: In order to keep the budget low for this film, crew members ended up playing small roles throughout the film, and I think that is awesome, and they should do that more often. Um, Not to save on money or to overwhelm crew members, like, it should be totally voluntary, but, like, then people yeah, on crew.
0: the option. Yeah,
1: yeah, people on crew could be like, "Look, that's me in the background." <laughs> I did.
0: I did that. And if they want to excel in their acting career, hey, that's one way to go for it.
1: Yeah, I just th- I think that would be fun. Uh, the property master John Frenchie Berger appears as a snowmobiler during the search in the park, and costume designer Debbie Weldon is a sorority sister and like in the beginning, and then. Production supervisor Dave Robertson appears as a police officer at one point. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And then one of the things that I really liked about this movie, um, it's kind of considered like the first slasher, which isn't true, but it made slashers, I think, big, like this type of psychological slasher, big. Uh, hmm. It's often quoted for being the inspiration for John Carpenter's Halloween. He really liked this film, I guess. All right. But one of the things I really liked about it is it because it's one of the first ones of its kind, it got to set the pace for how things were done. And it doesn't go along with common murder tropes. So, for example, typically, as we know, the virgin is the one who survives. Um, Right. The really good people are the ones who survive. But in this film, the virgin is the first to die, and it is the most... I mean, this is debatable, but back then, the most sinful woman is killed last, which is the one who's had sex and is considering abortion and all that jazz, which is new. All that jazz. Yeah, it's different. But this is, remember, from our Silent Night, Deadly Night, the year that the year before like they started, movies started um, censoring themselves. So those promotions of good values that come later by, hey, the good girl survives, the version survives, could be based off of those self-censored rules that they came up with. Um, like, don't shit on the church, don't promote promiscuity. So yeah, I think that plays a big thing into how we view murder tropes now. But yeah, I just thought that was really cool that that was like, so new and different. In addition to being considered an inspiration for John Carpenter's Halloween... Uh, The first Halloween was titled something like The Babysitter Murders, uh, if you remember, while they were scripting. And the first title of this film was supposed to be The Babysitter. Because it was a loose adaptation of an urban legend called The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs. According to OMG Facts, the urban legend they think was based off an unsolved murder case of teenage babysitter Janet Christman that occurred in Columbia Missouri in the March of 1950. Here's our true crime for the day. Janet was in eighth grade and was babysitting a three-year-old neighbor and this is all that's known. Janet Christman was sexually assaulted and strangled to death with an iron cord. The killer was likely someone she knew. Janet tried to call the police but all they heard on the other end of the line was screams and telling them to come quick. She put up quite the struggle because the house was wrecked. But the police were unable to trace the call because, as we know, it took them 45 minutes to do it. The Romax, who owned the house and the three-year-old, found Janet's body on their living room floor at 1.30 a.m. when they came home. Signs of a violent struggle were spread across two different rooms. Thankfully, the three-year-old kid was perfectly safe and unharmed. He'd slept through the whole thing. The most likely suspect was Robert Mueller, a friend of the Romacks. Mr. Romack testified that Mueller, who was 27 at the time, had commented on Janet's quote well-developed form. Mrs. Romack said Mueller had run his hand across her dress two days before the murder, which is creepy because she's in eighth grade. That's like 14, 15, 13, 14, something like that. Uh,
0: fifth grade?
1: Eighth grade.
0: Eighth grade, sorry. Uh yeah, that's like fourteen fifteen. No.
1: Thirteen fourteen. Uh do do. Mueller was also known to carry around a mechanical pencil that matched puncture wounds that police found on Janet's body. And I guess mechanical pencils weren't as big in the fifties as they are now. It also This movie also had the title of Stop Me at one point and was also said to be inspired by murders that occurred in Westmount neighborhood in Montreal, Quebec. And that is quoted from the director. In an article, the writer specifically stated, these murders occurred in 1943 and were done by a 14-year-old boy who bludgeoned several of his family members. Lovely. I did find a thread where someone was trying to figure out what murder it was based on? Oh, I, yeah, okay, I'll just keep going. Uh, what murder it was based on? They were wrong, um, but this is what they thought it was, and it kind of fits. Uh, They thought it was based off the of serial killer Wayne Clifford Bodden, who was around in Canada as a serial killer and rapist between 69 and 71. Baden killed four women, three in Montreal, one in Calgary, earning the nickname The Vampire Rapist because he would bite the breasts of his victims and received four life sentences. He's God also damn. one of the like first cases, I guess, where they used, I don't know the full word, uh, but the dental work to prove guilt. But as I said, that was not the real inspiration and as told by the gazette newspaper on november 18th 1943 it occurred on wednesday november 17th 1943 when police were called at five thirty-nine a.m to 18 greenville ave where they found 14 year old george webster in his room dazed and with a bat at 6 a.m and again this murder occurred in westmount neighborhood in montreal quebec canada george webster huh had bludgeoned his mother, age 38, to death using a baseball bat in her bed. So I'm pretty sure everyone had gone to sleep, and then he just decided to, like, play baseball with their heads. He He also attacked others in the house, including his 12-year-old sister and 8-year-old brother. Additionally, he took the bat to a 25-year-old family friend who was visiting from Australia the those three i believe survived but they were in critical condition for a while the paper says there was only one person in the house unharmed and it was an eight-year-old english refugee who had lived with them for two to three years and then the dad was away on business so he got the lovely call to come home
0: yeah that would suck
1: A coroner's jury deemed the teenager criminally responsible on December 3rd, and young George was charged with murder, but on February 28th, 1944, he was declared unfit to stand trial and transferred to the Verdun Mental Hospital. When the- Uh,
0: mental hospitals.
1: Yeah. When the police took him, he didn't say a word. Um, The dad finally got there, and there is, I guess they had a conversation, but no one can figure out what they said, and then the dad just like left- so there's not a lot on this murder because it was so long ago. Um, I can't figure out what happened to him from there, and a lot of other people can't either. But I did see that the the mental institution men, uh, the mental institution that he went to was quote deinstitutionalized, and we talked about this in our ghost encounters episode where mental hospitals moved from being, like, all inpatient, just like we don't treat people, <laughs> we just torture them, basically, uh, to a more holistic practice and focus on rehabilitation because medications were becoming accessible and were doing a good job. And that started in 1960 at this hospital. And so at that time, when Weber had gone there in 44, there were roughly... 1,479 patients and by the time they started the process of changing the asylum in 1960 there were between 1,530 and 1,580 patients hospitalized 1,114 of whom left the hospital during that year and by 1970 the institution had more outpatients than inpatients so I have no idea where he went or if he got released or if he got treated or what that's terrifying i'm assuming he probably changed his name (laughs) if he got released. uh i did find a list from this hospital uh, that was called the protestant insane asylum at the time probable cause of of insanity list from 1890 to 1910 and it has a men column and a women column and it says how many of each condition was admitted and some of them are interesting, and I just want to read them really fast. Um, so there's uh, abuse of opium. That could cause some issues. Disappointed affection. I do, do not know what that means. <laughs> uh, excessive study. I was reading that one too. Couldn't tell you. Fright. I guess they get scared uh in
0: temperance in drink
1: i drank too much i don't know i don't know what the difference <laughs> is between abuse of tobacco like saying abuse and drink and intemperance yeah um isolated life so they just like lived alone flew, flew. <laughs> master <God damn>. masturbation is <laughs> yes, oh, one shit. of them uh monotonous work like they just which there was 17 women and three men so they were just like Women, who stay home all day, suffer from monotonous work.
0: Financial difficulty.
1: Religious <laughs> excitement.
0: Jesus.
1: And then vicious indulgences. I am wondering if that's like violent
0: acts. I, it says vicious. I would only assume so. That's
1: all I could think of too. But yeah, they are worded very interestingly creative they're creative we just don't talk like that we're very straightforward these days <laughs> the graveyard for this 1974 film starts off with claire harrison who was strangled
0: by Clo- well with uh the the clothes plastic bag thing the laundromat plastic bag or whatever uh then miss mac who uh, gets a pulley hook through the head which is pretty hilarious not gonna lie uh, <laughs> barb is stabbed four times. The glass unicorn horn, because apparently she really liked unicorns and had a collection of them in her house. It
1: was a very long horn on that unicorn.
0: It really was. Uh, Phil was killed off screen, presumably stabbed as well, though. Officer Jennings, uh, he was the police officer officer who was guarding the house. His th- throat was slit. I Almost said that wrong. <laughs> um, Peter, who was hit in the head with a poker, or multiple times who knows and then presumably just because of that call i assume i assume at least yes
1: off screen don't see anything and that brings us into black christmas or black xmas 2006 I this wa- is on
0: B for free with ads if you want
1: yeah that's where i watched it free baby
0: it was written and directed by glenn morgan Uh, He was also the writer on Final Destination 3, which makes a lot of sense because there are a couple of different actresses from Final Destination 3 in this. He's also an uncredited writer and actor on Trick or Treat, which is a wonderful movie that at some point we will do because I'm super obsessed with it and I will get Sam added to my uh, horror arm at some point. Quick summary on this one because it really does it tries kind of sort of to follow some of the ideas of original Black Christmas.
1: (laughs) Yeah so I thought it was a continuation like I went in thinking it was a continuation I didn't realize it completely rebuilds the story and I was like trying to do the math of all these years because it gives you very specific years and I was like no this doesn't make sense and then I gave up and I was like oh yeah okay this is its own story. So back
0: to the delta oh.
1: I was just going to say it bounces back and forth between present day Which is 2005 to, like, Billy's past. Yes. So we're going to present it, um, all of Billy's past, and then go into the present day, chronologically, as it were.
0: So back to the Delta Alpha Kappa house at Clement University, where the sisters are being murdered one by one uh, by Billy the Maniac, who is haunted by his childhood trauma. This film rewrites the original and basically provides a backstory of Billy the murderer, who, uh, well, here it goes. Billy was born in 1970 to an awful mother. So Billy had a liver condition that caused him to be jaundiced and or have yellow skin and eyes. And this is definitely something that um, kind of modern medicine could easily address. Because they've kind of figured out a way to help with that now.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) wonder if they... Part of me was thinking they put that in there that he had a liver issue. Because the mom was clearly had a drinking problem and they thought that was like a good representation of her abuse of alcohol Baby. and it had affected him therefore it was her fault but yeah. i don't think that actually is a representation of what happened uh, but don't drink with babies of course but i think that's why that was included just to like okay. put that out there
0: so five years later in 1975 billy obviously a five-year-old who is capable of proper spelling, grammar, punctuation, and full sentences? Uh, he sees his mother murder his father by strangling him with a bag over his face. Um, well, mother and her boyfriend. Uh, which again, throwback to the 1974 version. Probably why they included it. But he also got stabbed, uh, and he was. Uh, they saw. They watched his dad. He watched his dad get stabbed in the eye. Well, in the back, of the head, at least.
1: Uh, with a hammer, right?
0: yes Okay. and this is when his mother starts uh, locking him Well, he ran away to the attic and this is when he gets locked in the attic and she starts over with uh, her boyfriend basically turns into 1982 he is sexually assaulted by his mother at the age of roughly about 12 or 13 and he becomes the father slash brother of Agnes and that's how we find out who Agnes is that's so gross I know I know it's utterly disgusting then in 1991, Billy, at the age of 21, attacks his nine-year-old sister, Agnes, um, and the phone... Uh, this is kind of where, like, the phone call lines come out. He tried to strangle her with a bag and gouge her eyes out. He then murders his mom and uses a he uses a cookie cutter on her skin and bakes cookies out of her skin in these lovely uh,
1: forms, I guess. That didn't make any sense, because, like, the cookie cutter does the outline, but it doesn't... Take the skin off.
0: No, you still have to like cut that whole like layer attached, he underneath, put, he which put, is why they look so messy. But
1: he put so much work into that and then he burned them. I'm pretty sure they were burned.
0: And, yeah, they looked burned, but um, you know, I don't know how skin cooks necessarily. <laughs> Leatherface, where uh, you at? <laughs> yeah, uh, Agnes survived and went to the hospital, uh, well, children's orphanage place. Because uh, paramedics were able to save her.
1: I'm going to jump ahead. But I for sure thought that Agnes was the creepy... I'm sorry. I uh, Okay. I for sure thought that the creepy sister Eve, who's like really off-putting <laughs> as a present-day sorority you, sister.
0: You see her like once. You see her once and she's the odd man out.
1: I thought for sure she was Agnes. And I was like, wow, this is so obvious. Um, I was wrong. She's not Agnes. But... Because uh, they lead into a lot like, no one knows what happened to Agnes. And I was like, she's fucking right there! <laughs> well, I was I wrong. I we'll be able to read
0: this. I fell but, for it. Um, oh, you crossed out that Eve. Did, <laughs> that said Eve, because I was pretty fucking... Con- I was pretty sure that it, Agnes was Eve, too. And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, Eve dies. Spoiler alert. And you're Shh. like, oh, what the fuck? Okay, never mind.
1: She's the Peter the red herring of the yeah. 2006.
0: So, um... This brings us to present day in the house. The house was, uh, I assume the house was sold after all of that happenings in the house happened. And it was sold to a sorority who bought the house and probably had no idea what that was or what happened.
1: And if they did, they didn't care because the house was probably super Mm -hmm. fucking cheap.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I guess they must have had to know about it because they had that 15 year tradition of leaving a gift under the tree.
1: That makes sense. So... I think it was just really cheap, and nobody else would take it. Yeah, that's you. But yeah, they say it's a 15-year tradition, but these murders happened in 91, and it's supposed to be, like, present day, 2005, so that would make it 1990 when they moved in. But I think that just for sake of...
0: Well, it came out in 2006, so maybe they were thinking to present day, 2006. No, because that, so that, therefore...
1: math, that math doesn't work either. So, <laughs> um, like it's with right. other stuff, but... I'm pretty sure that um, she was just rounding to make it her life easier, I guess. Because the math um, that you said doesn't work with the ages that they put in the. uh,
0: Oh.
1: To describe the characters. So.
0: All right. Well. Anyways. So, all the girls are sitting around the Christmas tree talking, doing their whole bash on everybody and things and presents and things.
1: One of the girls mentions that they shouldn't have to do a pagan sacrifice to ward off evil spirits at Christmas, and she's referring to the tradition to give Billy a gift every year. Um, And I'm pretty sure that is where 2019 got their premise, is that whole pagan sacrifice idea. Probably not, but that's what I took it for. (laughs) That's the only way I can link these two videos, those two movies. <laughs> uh, which brings us to present day where Billy is an inmate at the Clark Sanitarium. Uh, if you remember the director to the seventy four was Bob Clark, so that's where they got the name Clark Sanitarium. We love a good reference. Yep. Uh, the milk that an orderly drops in the section where Billy is kept, uh, the door says twelve twenty five. It's Christmas. Ooh. Could you be more obvious? Uh, but right. the Milky Drops is dated to expire September 2005. So that also tells me that present day <laughs> is 2005. Okay. Uh, the names on the doors that I could spot, I could only figure out four of them. And I, of course, I wanted to see if they were like anyone important or part of the film. I don't think they were. But number 19 said... Mac- conico jr couldn't find anyone on staff of that name door 21 said jonathan williams Uh, there is an electrician on set named john d williams so maybe door number 25 is richard steinmetz uh he's an actual actor who i'm sorry he's an actual character who was played by christian sloan so i don't know where they got that name from and i'm sorry if you can hear my kid putting dishes away very aggressively (laughs) Uh, and Dora 27 is William Edward Lentz which is Billy age 35 played by Robert Mann
0: alright so a roll call of the important sisters that are at this sorority on 566 Oakdale in this one (laughs) Claire Crosby god damn it Claire Crosby again the first to die uh, is played by Lela Savaston uh, she was in the Craigslist killer. I never saw that. I need to see that. Megan Helms plays Jessica Harmon, who is in The 100 and I Zombie. By the way, The 100. Fucking wonderful TV show. I'm obsessed with it. It's fine. Um. That is so fetch. Yes. Dana Lacey Charbet. No, Shab, Shaber Shaber
1: couldn't tell you isn't it
0: Chabray Chabray, Chabray. I don't know what I said it right earlier today I think it's Chabert. Chabert. Chabray I don't know but she's obviously uh, Gretchen Wieners and Mean Girls and that's all I could think of her as at all uh, at any point in time um, fun fact she does li- she does the voice of Liza Eliza in the Wild Thornberries
1: I did not um, know that. that I totally did <laughs> I think that's awesome. I haven't watched that show in many a year, but... I love that show. It was she's the one who's uh, in Anastasia. She is the singing voice for when Anastasia is a child and sings well, Once and Upon, once a, upon December. a December. Cool! That's, that's cool. That's, that's our, really cool. That's I love that. Bartok. Throwback. I like her. She also... Um, go ahead. Sorry. You got this. I was going to say, she also voiced Meg Griffin for like the first few episodes before Mila Kunis took it over and then a bunch in 2020
0: yeah yeah Mila Kunis was replaced or whatever I think she left um but then we have Melissa who is played by by the none other uh Michelle Trachtenberg who we all know well we know from Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Buffy's little sister who gets randomly added in that nobody understands why uh (laughs)
1: I didn't mind her as an addition but a lot of people Oh, I, had,
0: are... I, I liked the way that they tied it in like as the story I, I like the way that they did that in general but a lot
1: of people are real salty about
0: it yeah a lot of people fucking hate it Um, she was also in Ice Princess Euro Trip
1: Inspector Gadget I haven't seen that fucking movie in so long holy hell she plays Georgina Sparks in Gossip Girls which you wouldn't know because you didn't watch that show nope and she is a tormented teenager and 17 again
0: that sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then we have Heather Fitzgerald.
0: God, Fitzgerald. That that name. Uh, she's played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was the winner for Best Actress in 10 Cloverfield Lane. She also played uh, Ramona Flowers in, Scott Pilgr- in like the Scott Pilgrim movies. She is also in Final Destination 3. Um, she is the Huntress in Birds of Prey. She... Uh, what else blinking vampire hunter sky high is Gwen
1: that's where I remember her from
0: <laughs> yes sky <guy> high <laughs> um, but yeah she's in a lot of stuff and she's she keeps popping up everywhere Eve Agnew was the red herring she was pay- played by Kathleen Cole and um, I didn't recognize her from anything whatsoever Then we have Lauren, the drug barb of the group. Basically, Uh, she's played by Yon K. Crystal Lowe. She is uh, best known for being in Final Destination Three and Scary Movie Number Four. Uh, Then there's Claire's sister, who basically replaced the dad in the in the 1974 version. This is played. uh, Her name is Lee Cloven. This she's played by uh, Kristen Cloak. And uh, she is actually in the original Final Destination, the first one, and she is uh, the teacher, Valerie Luton. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the teacher that gets off the plane and then she's like, don't talk to me, you scare the hell out of me. (laughs) Anyways, I know way too much about that movie. (laughs) The lone survivor, Kelly Presley, is played by Katie Cassidy. Um, She is Black Canary- or Laura Lance in the DC Universe TV shows. That's
1: uh, where
0: I recognized her from. I recognized her as Chris from A Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010-2009 remake. I also, she was also in When a Stranger Calls as Tiffany. Um, That's the dead friend on the floor. Yeah, she's Ruby in Supernatural, which is one of the demons. Um, she's the version of Ruby
1: that Sam sleeps with, I think. Right? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. 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 She's Amanda and yeah. Taken, the girl that overdoses and dies. And oh she plays yeah, another she's on Gossip Girl as well. As a random, probably mean oh. girl. Okay. Then there's Andrea Martin,
0: who is Phil from the nineteen seventy four version, but she comes back as Miss Mac, who is a functional house mother. Yeah. She actually cares. Um, I think it's cool that she makes kind of a reprisal as not her own character, but like a character from the original at least.
1: Yeah, and she's not recognizable, so no. it works. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, you got this. Go ahead. They don't give any like actual days in these movies, so I'm guessing that all the murders start on December 23rd in both movies, and the majority of the killings happen Christmas Eve. That's what I'm guessing. I
0: think so. I think so. Uh, But but they're still receiving phone calls. And this time they have caller ID. So they know who's calling. And where they're... Well, not where they're calling from. But they know who's calling. They
1: Uh, all have flip phones and like little cricket phones. Back in the day. So all the phone calls are coming from dead sorority girls. Cell phones. Cell phones, yeah. Which is why they even answer in the first place. Because we said in the 74 version, like, nowadays we'll just screen, But... Because they're calling from a recognizable number, they wouldn't do that. They right. they thought of it all. But also, do you remember when personalized ringtones were, like, the cool thing?
0: <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you mean by were. They still are. Um, I have very specific ringtones for most everybody in my phone that are important to me. Including, um, like, a text group chat that is a raptor call, Or, like, Jaden's is Thunder Buddies, the, the song from Ted. Or like my mom's is the mental health t- hotline.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's like it's it's not a normal thing now. Most people just use like the the ones well, it that will it comes forever with. be
0: my normal thing because I enjoy personalized symptoms. <laughs> uh, just so you know. Oh, yours is um the Buffy by Buffy the Vampire Slayer theme song.
1: Oh, anyway. that's so sweet.
0: It's it it changes off every once in a while between that and like something from Charmed because there's a lot of options for Charmed, but mainly it stays the Buffy Vi- Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, theme song. Fun
1: fact, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you'd appreciate that. Claire's sister Lee shows up and kicks off the idea that girls are gone, girls, girls have gone wild, girls have gone missing. <laughs> which causes Heather to find a box of newspaper clippings in Eve's room because that used to be Billy's room. And he had like a false wall in his closet. And I will post these screenshots, but she finds two newspaper clippings. And the first one has a picture of Billy's dad as a Marine titled Suspect's Real Father Vanished in 1975. And it says by Lisa Francescata. Sorry, Francescato. Hmm. And I- Sounds like a wine yeah right it does uh so this staff writer the name is used in other movies where they also create newspaper articles i found this name used on an image in the film wrongfully accused from 1998 and in the movie along came a spider in 2001 as far as i can tell there's not a real person named lisa Francescata. i also compared all of the staff that are listed uh, in the title sequences of all three movies, none of them are the same, like in the art departments and creative roles. So I have no idea who decided that Lisa Francescato was gonna be a writer, but somebody did and it's in a bunch of movies. The second photo is of Billy being like taken away and his mom, and the photos I'll post, you can actually kind of read the articles Uh, It just gives details of what happened that we already know. But as the girls are getting murdered, and you're trying to figure out how Billy could be murdering them, but also escaping from the mental hospital at the same time, turns out, oh, you could also be asking, how is his hair getting increasingly longer and blonder? Yeah. (laughs) And it turns out that Agnes has been living at the house and is murdering the girls in Billy's place. Ba, ba, da, ba, living I, like his,
0: her mother, or his, her father slash brother. I think it mentions at the end that she had also escaped from whatever mental hospital she was in. Which I think... They it's... just didn't know what happened to her. They, uh, I, I underline this. It's Paramedics saved her. They sent her to an orphanage. No one has seen her since. Now, there's That's a, what the line was.
1: There's a line at the end where they say that a patient who had escaped from, and they state where she escaped from. I have it written down somewhere. Uh, so she so also escaped from someplace but that sucks (laughs) it just so happened that for some fucking reason they both escaped on the exact same like year I guess started to the same place started killing at the exact same time Yep. and also I don't know why she would randomly start killing the exact same way I don't know I don't know I think they're trying to play off the genetic part of it but who knows
0: Agnes is played by a man named Dean Friss, which who, they did uh, not
1: even try to hide that it was a man. Let's be no, honest. not at all.
0: Um, but he worked as like a cameraman and an electric and like in the electrical departments in his career. But he's also in Bates Motel, like the TV show, and Final Destination Three.
1: Why is it so popular to have men play female villains?
0: Um, probably because they're bigger. Um, they're just like Samara personally I think the reasoning is because uh, I'm pretty sure it was Doug Jones who acted who did Samara and it's because he has the proper body movements of those kinds of characters but Doug Jones is fucking crazy cool so I mean like there's that
1: Uh, Um, yeah
0: I don't know like Valak and stuff I don't know yeah
1: I I guess I agree it's probably their build it's more they're more square and like when you see boobs I guess it's less threatening maybe but also, uh, their face is just like more fierce. So, yeah. I guess I could see that. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I could see that.
0: So, Lee and Kelly end up burning the house down in their escape, and they end up at the hospital where all the bodies were taken, as well, of course. Billy and Agnes, who the last you see were going to be burning in the building in the walls, well, they're alive, and they attack Kelly once again uh, in the hospital, and she actually kills them. Go, Kelly! Woot woot.
1: So, uh, the ending. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I think the ending should have just been Kelly and Lee, get out of the house. There's a fire. Ambiguity. Did they live? Did they die? Uh, I'm talking what about, fu- sorry. What the
0: fuck happened to, the, to Agnes and Billy? Yeah,
1: they could have just left it there. That would have been we'll be fine. a play we'll on the 74 version. Like, what the fuck happened at the end? Are they alive or are they dead? Uh, would yep. have, that's how Halloween ends. It's great. Um, But no, they had to take it a step further and do the whole hospital scene, which ruins every movie. Every time I see that, I'm like, you should have just ended it. Let it go. Uh, Also, it ruined this beautiful idea that they had built in the 74 version where the murderer is human. Right? Billy is an average looking guy. He's not big and imposing. He's mortal. Uh... It's a mystery. They took all of that away in this version and they made him more like uh, Myers, Michael Myers. Not that he's big and imposing. He's still like squirrely and creepy looking. But yeah, they just, it's, I don't know. I didn't like it. And then the timeline is really weird to me. So on the phone, the police say it would take two hours to get to the house because of some big snowstorm. And There's too many accidents. They can't get there. The ending, like, scene where they're fighting in real life in their time, I guess, maybe took, like, what, 30 minutes before they set the fire and escape? Yeah, probably. And then let's say they sat around for an hour, hour and a half or whatever, waiting for firefighters. That fire was going for an hour, hour and a half. Yep. And then, like, the police show up so those bodies had they just been laying there totes wouldn't be perfectly disintegrated
0: disintegrated well
1: i don't know if they would have been disintegrated but they wouldn't have been
0: they'd be pretty charred
1: yeah unscathed (laughs) because when you see them in the hospital they are not touched they look perfectly normal yeah uh so unless they ran to a different part of the house i guess and like hid (laughs) i don't know it's weird um Then, let's say it takes another two to three hours for, like, CSI to do their thing. The medical examiner has to show up, check the bodies, take the pictures, do all that stuff. And then another one to three hours to get all the bodies back to the hospital, depending on how close it was and how the roads were. Because when they get to the morgue, you see all the bodies, basically. So, that happened. And... Uh, Lee gets a watch that says it's, like, maybe 3.20 a.m., give or take, when they're in the hospital. So I guess, like, maybe the timeline works out, but that meant that Billy and Agnes were just laying there for hours and hours and hours pretending to be dead. Like, did no one check their pulse? I'm confused.
0: Yeah, apparently.
1: (laughs) Ugh, That bugged me.
0: That is the end of that movie.
1: 2006 Graveyard. Frank Lenz bludgeoned with a hammer four times by Billy's mom. Unnamed stepfather impaled in the eye with a Christmas ornament by Billy. Constance Lenz, which was her uh, mom, strangled with Christmas lights and bludgeoned with a rolling pin. Claire Crosby. Her head was wrapped with a plastic clothing bag, And then she took a pen to the head by Agnes, which was a reference to the 74. Uh... There was also a lot of reference to the chair in the attic, but side note. Um, unnamed security guard, got a candy cane in the neck by Billy. Megan Helms, stabbed four to five times, eyes ripped out by Agnes. Unnamed charity Santa, butchered off screen by Billy. Dana Mathis, garden claw in the back of the head, eyes ripped out by Agnes. Eve Agnew, decapitated by Billy. Heather Fitzgerald, killed by Billy in the car. Barbara McHenry, impaled through the head with an icicle. I don't know, I can't remember, did Billy actually do it, or does it just fall on her? No, I believe Billy does it. Okay, I couldn't remember. Um, But that scene gets used in the 2019 version. Melissa Kitt, scalped with an ice skate, eyes ripped out by Agnes. Lauren Hannon, stabbed with a glass unicorn, throwback to 74, eyes ripped out by Agnes. Kyle Autry, which was a boyfriend, but I don't think we really mentioned. Head wrapped with a plastic bag, I'd Eyes ripped out by Billy. They really laid into the plastic bag in the eye thing.
0: <laughs> oh, big time.
1: On one of the girl's computers, her screensaver is an eye with wings bouncing around. And I was like, I get it. Eyes are a thing. Um, the unnamed coroner's, coroner, sorry, slashed with surgical saw by Billy. Lee Colvin, neck snapped by Agnes. Um, that's also a throwback, right? Fourth. I don't think so. Maybe that happens in a later one. Um, Agnes Lenz, face electrocuted with defibrillators by Kelly. Billy Lenz, impaled by a Christmas tree by Kelly.
0: In my notes, Agnes's death is lab- labeled as defib to the face.
1: Yes. I am amazed that Kelly didn't electrocute herself when she fell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because Agnes falls backwards and Kelly is leaning into her and follows her all the way down and somehow does not touch her at all. <laughs> so I guess good job. Movies. But anyways, what? did you have a favorite death? Um, in
0: just this one
1: or both, of, or like the the original? Any death so far.
0: I think the original had to do the, uh, the, the hook in the back of the head, thanks to Miss Mac. Um, in this one, a lot of them are pretty much the fucking same. Um, I did enjoy the, uh, um, Michelle Trachtenberg's death, the, uh, the ice skate.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one was unique. I don't think I really have a favorite murder, um. I just, I really like the scenes in the 74 version. I love the scene of her, like, rocking in the window with a plastic bag of her face. I loved when they walked in on Peter in Jess's lap. That scene was, it looked like it should have been a crime scene photo. It was really cool. But, brings us to Black Christmas 2019. And we are not going to go into detail about this at all because, Have you seen this whole one yet?
0: No. I only watched the very beginning of it. I couldn't get any farther.
1: Yep. Sounds great. It's on HBO if you want to watch it. It's a very different take on this series. But it does what all the ones that we seem to do do where it brings in magic and ritual voodoo stuff. Not voodoo. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. But like rituals and magic and stuff like that. Yeah, that's the... Kills a franchise that's built on a regular murderer. So don't do that.
0: I um, do love the main character though. Like not the character, but the actress who plays the main character.
1: I the like cast is great. But I, I don't think they should have called it Black Christmas. I think it should have been its own thing. I agree. But anyways, it is directed and written by Sophia Takal. Uh, it also was co-written by April Wolf. I appreciate because it's a very like women empowerment themed, in a very obvious and kind of rough way, uh, storyline. I'm glad that it's at least written by a female instead of like a man saying this is what women would say kind of a thing. All right. That's all I give it. Okay. Uh, the cast that haunts this film.
0: So the main character, her name is Riley in the movie. This is played by Imogen Poots. Um, She's also in V for Vendetta, 28 weeks later. She's also in Green Room, which is fucking crazy of a show movie if you haven't watched it. Um, Or That Awkward Moment, which is one of my favorite rom-coms of the world. Elise Shannon plays Chris. She's in the Charmed reboot, but nobody watches that. Oh, you also get Carrie Ewells, who um, is Professor Gelson. Gelson? Gelson? Gelson. Gelson. Um, Best known for his role in The Princess Bride. As you
1: wish.
0: Yes. He's also uh, one of the main characters in the first Saw and Saw, the final chapter. He's one of my favorite
1: side characters in Psych.
0: (laughs) Oh. I didn't watch Psych. I'm sorry.
1: He's in Art Thief slash like MI6 Agent slash... Awesome, he's great. I love that show. He's also
0: Robin Hood in Robin Hood Men in Tights, and he is the voice of well, what's his face in Quest for Camelot. The and all of a sudden, I'm
1: blanking main on character. it. Character. It's like a normal name too. Um, he's also the snake, the villain in Ella Enchanted. Very, very briefly, probably the most brief and succinct synopsis we'll you gotta ever think do. Think of it, Garrett. He plays. I'm my dumbass. I knew it. I knew it. He's the, the of Garrett. <laughs> All right, are you ready for this? Yeah, do it. Time me, because this is going to be the fastest one I've ever done. Okay, <laughs> let's go. You can't see it, but I'm punching the air. Okay. Beep. A sorority petitions that a bust of the founding father of the university they go to is removed from campus because of his racist and misogynistic ways. This bust ends up at the fraternity founded by the very same man who discover it has magic powers to imbue men with his spirit, making them super strong and willing to target and murder any women they choose. They choose to target sorority girls who are threatening their quote-unquote power under the guidance of the Professor Gelson, who is also being petitioned against by these same women for promoting white patriarchy in class through his literary teachings. Starting December 23rd, caped figures in black masks start murdering these girls, with all of them being... Um, I'm sorry, all the sororities get attacked by a bunch of these black masked figures on Christmas Eve. It ends with a big cheesy epic battle meant to show women's strength in a battle at the fraternity where Riley breaks the bust, releasing the magic, and they burn down the house. Riley, at the end, doesn't seem particularly pleased with what had happened. Her face, like, turns really weird. And also, Chris uh, is basically somehow randomly Katniss. I don't know. With an arrow. They just, like, randomly have an arrow, and she walks in, and she's like, I'm gonna pretend I'm Katniss Everdeen. And.
0: Like I got this, bitches.
1: Yep, takes it away. The end. That's the movie. So, the All bust right. is like a ritual thing, and the fraternity is like, we're gonna be white supremacists and misogynistic and make women our slaves. The end. But there are some decent throwbacks. Uh, In this movie, instead of getting phone calls, they get text messages. One of the first text messages is the emoji of a pig and a cat, which is a throwback to the phone calls in the first one, because it calls them a pig cunt. The one texting them comes from the name, or they say it's Hawthorne, who is the founder of the university. Mm -hmm. The house being set on fire at the end, the icicle gets used as a weapon, um, also, at the very beginning, this is my only favorite scene in this movie. The girl's, like, running around. The girl, swordy girl, is running from this guy in the black cape. And she's knocking on random people's doors trying to get let in. And finally, someone lets her in. And a dude in the black cape on, on the other side. <laughs> and just, like, reaches up, grabs the icicle, and stabs her. And I was like, brilliant. There's a cat. There's and a cat. It's named Claudette.
0: Haha, <laughs> get it? Which people possibly...
1: Yeah, which people postulate it was turned into a feminine name because of the women empowerment angle. And it's played by a cat named Rana. There's also a movement, animal movement, that goes by that same name. So I don't know if that's actually the name or if someone just put that on there to promote that. I don't know.
0: All right. Well, what about the graveyard?
1: All right, I'll blow through these. First one is Lindsay stabbed with an icicle, throwback to two thousand six. Franny strangled with Christmas lights, throwback to two thousand six. Jesse killed off screen with mirror shard in the face. Nate shot in the face with an arrow. A uh, masked attacker, masked, masked attacker, stabbed ah. in the neck with keys. Marty shot with an arrow, hacked with a hatchet. Masked attacker stabbed in back and head with knives. Masked masked I'm just gonna say attacker attacker stabbed in front with glass unicorn throwback to 74 in 2006 security officer Gil O'Leary stabbed in back with knife attacker suffocated to death with dry cleaning bag throwback to 74 Helena gets her neck broken by a masked pledge throwback to 2006 another pledge gets shot with an arrow Professor Gelson, Brian Huntley and Phil are some fraternity guys they are presumed to have been burned to death in the fire with an additional 12 disciple things. And these sorority members listed as deceased are Kat Brusk, Annabelle McKellen, Katie Harn, Becca Hammets, Jordan, Rosemary Tacall, and Amelie Durham. I think their bodies are just like laying around. They are killed off screen. In this franchise, there were a total of, depending on how you count them, 50 to 60 deaths. In Black Christmas, there were seven. In the 2006 version, there were, like, 16. And in the 2019 version, everybody else. All right. There's also a fan film that came out in 2001. I'm sorry, 2021, called It's Me, Billy, which is 45 minutes long. It's free on YouTube. Go watch it. Uh, We linked it in our last post. I'll also link it with this episode. It says... That it is an unofficial sequel to the original Black Christmas, set nearly 50 years later, and follows the granddaughter of Jess Bradford. She did live, she goes on to write a bunch of books and make money off of it, and the sorority like snubs her legacy granddaughter when she tries to join it. It's actually filmed very well, unlike the fan film for, oh crap, what was that Ice Alien movie we just did? We the just Bing? Yeah. Unlike the Thing fan film, which was still like supposed to be good, but it's clearly fan made. This one looks very professional. They even do like drone shots, it's pretty cool. Recommendations. When a stranger calls, obviously. It's based off the seventy four version, Urban Legend. You can see it throughout all of this. John Carpenter's Halloween, if you haven't seen that already. Do you have any other recommendations?
0: Not with this one. I think you I think you you touched on anyone I would say.
1: I recommend watching the '74 version if you've never seen any of these movies. It is yes a piece of art. The '2006 is a typical slasher movie, but still worth watching. '2019, I'm not going to say don't watch it, but don't consider it part of this franchise. <laughs> it, it's its own thing. And there it is, Black Christmas. Our next episode is Krampus. Comes boop out. Boop christmas ish yep uh you can comment email or whatever you're gonna do on our instagram and facebook at
0: or underscore cats underscore witch hats and you
1: can send us emails of your cats and their noises at
0: or cats witch hats at gmail.com it is all one word
1: don't uh gouge your eyes out Ooh, decorate your tree like agnes does because it was a great tree
0: Oh, with all the eyes and stuff. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> was <laughs> awesome. There you go. Meow. Meow. Meow.